You know, like I said, I mean, there's, it's a small area and there's, there's so many places to explore. And, you know, before we do these downwinders, we have aerial photographs and uh, charts so we can sort of point things out to tell them, you know, now when you go and check out this spot over here and if you go over this spot over here, you might get a good break. A lot of the places that we are playing in here, uh, you know, in our playground here, sometimes it's just nice to be able to kite in just crystal clear water and just be looking at the coral under the water, I mean. That's Steve Hooker describing the kiteboarding experience in the waters of the Caribbean. More stories of kiting, sailing, and life afloat from Steve and his partner, Monica, today on this Ocean Life podcast with me, Josh Peterson. Today, we hear the rad story of two people coming together and building a lifestyle business around their love of the ocean. The story of Steve and Monica takes us from the waters around Turkey, where they first bonded over their mutual obsession for kiteboarding, to their time around the Greek islands, crossing the Atlantic, and into the Caribbean where they are today. We hear about Steve and Monica running their adventure travel business aboard their sailing catamaran, treating guests to the beautiful waters and wind of the Caribbean, and enjoying their own ocean life, living afloat. If you're into kiting, sailing, or just pure freedom on the ocean, you'll like today's story from Steve and Monica. Enjoy. Uh, so Steve and Monica, uh, first want to say thanks for taking some time to chat. Uh, where are you guys at right now as we speak? We're, uh, we're sitting out uh, through all this quarantine, uh, Malaki, in uh, Tobago Keys in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. So we're nice. sitting here with a nice white sandy beach with uh, palm trees on it and uh, nice clear water with turtles popping up all around us. I'll have to send you a photo, mate. <laughs> yeah, please do. Actually, don't. That sounds too good. I'm going to be jealous. I'm jealous just picturing it in my mind. <laughs> yeah. So what's the uh, what's the quarantine like right there where, where you guys are? I mean, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, we're actually quite lucky here. I mean, most oh, of the islands are shut yeah, down. Awesome. So what are like the rules for the quarantine for you guys right now? Oh, we have a lot of freedom here still. It's not really imposed. It's not really strict. Yeah, we can still move around. We're still, I mean, some of the other places are not, leave, not even allowed to go swimming from their boats, but, uh, you know, we still go spearfishing and uh, kiteboarding and uh, whatever we fancy. And we sail from one island to the next, but within the country. But, you know, obviously we have to be careful for our own sakes. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the Coast Guard is patrolling. They check up on us, but uh, everything's really cool here. Life is good. Yeah, just they just uh, That's nice. forbidden the amplified music. Playing amplified music is forbidden. <laughs> they put um, very random rules here. Oh, really? So no loud music? No, no. But I think that applies to the locos because they like really loud music, and that means that there's going to be large gatherings. With a lot oh. of rum. Yeah, with a lot of rum, but they think the rum kills this virus. <laughs> They've got really strong rum here. Eighty-five percent. That will kill everyone. Oh, man. Yeah, that'll do it. That should kill all kinds of bugs and viruses, I think. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> good, good. Well, I'm glad you guys are able to, A, you're in a safe spot and healthy, and but also you can still get out. I mean, I was talking to another uh, friend who's on a boat, and I think it's in Tahiti, one of the islands there, and it's like they can't even leave. I mean, it's they're, they're, in, they're in paradise, but they really can't do much to enjoy it because it's just full lockdown. It's pretty neat that you guys can still get out and kite. Uh, and spearfish and everything else and sail. Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, it's even a lot of the islands here in the Caribbean. If you talk to any of the other yachties in other islands, they can't move anywhere. I mean, they can't even go for a swim. There was a guy that posted the other day uh, that uh, he got a fine of, I can't remember, 130 euros or something for swimming around his boat. <laughs> and here's us kite surfing and uh, swimming. 
<laughs> yeah, that's nice. That's awesome, man. So your guys' day to day, basically, you were talking about you being out on your boat, sailboat in the Caribbean, but it's you, you what you do, guys. What you guys do day to day is your business is taking guests out, kiteboarding and sailing expeditions. You know, you're called Wildside, and. Uh, mm-hmm. Talk about that. I mean, it looks so fun. You have the insane catamaran. It's gorgeous. You guys are doing, taking people to do neat things. So just talk about the day-to-day. I mean, what you guys are doing out there and how it all works with bringing guests out to experience all that. Yeah, it's a, it's a constant work, of course, with the boat. They were maintaining it, which is Steve's department. Uh, cleaning it, which is inside is my department. Outside is Steve's department. And uh, running the business as it is. So it, it being in touch with the agents, with the clients, provisioning the boat. There's so many aspects of it. Yeah. So like uh, these like week, week long trips, how many people will you bring at a time? Like what's the format? Yeah, we, uh, we, I mean, uh, we don't, we started off doing uh, basically or strictly kite surfing trips, but we sort of uh, went, steered away from that a little bit. I mean, we still do kite surfing, but we do a lot of activities. But uh, really, the idea of it is we do, um, you know, from we can do from three or four day trips, but generally we do seven to uh, ten, day, ten day trips out here in the Caribbean, and uh, we take up to six people. If the, if it's if there's a few kids on board, we can actually squeeze another one in. But uh, we try not to overcrowd the boat. We don't want too many people on here. We want everybody to be quite, you know, to everybody to be comfortable, including us, of course. If we get cranky, everybody's cranky. <laughs> So uh, we, uh, yeah, before before the trip, you know, we have a lot of information from guests before they come, you know, what their preferences are, the things that they like to do, the types of food that they like to eat, allergies and all that sort of thing. And we get a basic idea of uh, what they would like to do. But uh, we actually, when the guests first come to the boat, we all, you know, we sit down, we have a cocktail, we go through the safety briefing and all that sort of thing. And then we discuss with them what they want to do. And uh, our general recommendation is, you know, is uh, we, we will have a basic plan on what we can do. But our general recommendation to people is, you know, just chill out and uh, we take it day by day. Every morning we get up, you know, after breakfast or even over breakfast, we'll make a plan for the day and uh, sort of take it one day at a time. I mean, uh, people want to go on uh, vacations or holidays to uh, get away from it all and get away from schedules, which is what we try to do. That's awesome. And so where will you guys operate in the in the Caribbean? I mean, do you have a certain kind of area where you guys pretty much always hang out and take people or do you kind of cruise throughout the larger area there? Yeah, we uh, I mean, for us, the best place to do business is obviously is up in the in the Virgin Islands. But, you know, personally, we prefer it here in the we're in St. Vincent and the Grenadines. So we're usually picking up in St. Vincent. We can even do, uh, you know, a few days sailing around the island of St. Vincent because there's some beautiful spots there. But it's mostly down here in the Grenadines where, you know, where people want to be because we have, you know, Tobago Keys with this beautiful water and uh, the marine life that is here. But also this area here is a little bit more unspoiled than uh, most islands. You know, it's sort of a little bit more underdeveloped which is sort of a bit more of the attraction of the place. And so for the folks who come out, your guests who come out and want a kiteboard, um, will they, they are, will they already need to know and be experienced at kiteboarding or do you guys help teach them also? 
Well, yeah, we've debated this over the years, but you know, and and in, in my opinion, I mean, everybody's got their opinions, but uh, in my opinion, it's, there's no point being on a boat if you can't already kite surf. Otherwise, unless you've got loads of money and you can afford to do another one next year and the year after, but most people that do, in particular, kiteboarding uh, cruises or kiteboarding holidays, they don't have you know the 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 money to sort of do this sort of thing every year. A lot of people we get this is a once in a lifetime thing. So I would recommend that people can already kiteboard. And, you know, if people can already kiteboard when they get here, then they can sort of maximize on, you know, the pla the things that we can do and the places that we can go. You know, we could boat launch in, you know, one place and we can uh, do a downwinder where they follow the boat to an next island. And, you know, it, sort of, it, it, it just makes it a little bit better and a little bit easier for the guests on board if they can already kiteboard. So that's, I mean, that's what we recommend and that's what we prefer actually. I bet it probably makes it a lot easier when you have people who are already experienced and could just jump in and go. And then where you're at, you guys mentioned, of course, you have like, I'm guessing a lot of different options for folks. You mentioned like a downwind, probably a lot of different areas, you know, like great downwind spots. I mean, do you also have like surf breaks if somebody wants to come, you know, kite surf as well? Yeah, there there are some spots here which are reasonable breaks. I wouldn't say that 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 they're brilliant surf places. I mean, if you want to do a surf holiday, a, a surfing holiday, this is the last place I would recommend. But uh, for actually kite surfing, there is some nice little breaks. I mean, they're not brilliant, but there's some nice little breaks. But uh, the main thing about this area is the the islands here are so close together. You know, the the sailing distances are really short, and uh, we do actually do quite a few downwinders, but a lot of people don't sort of get that uh, the point of a downwinder is to, you know, not to follow the boat. I mean, how many times <laughs> I'll tell them, but explore. Stay within a, an area of the boat and go and explore. You know, there's little breaks on reefs all over the place here. You know, if I had the opportunity to get off the boat and do it myself, I would be everywhere. Over the next few weeks, actually, I probably will be everywhere. Monica will be sailing the boat and I'll be kiting everywhere. <laughs> nice. Dude, that sounds sweet. So you're basically like, Getting a downwinder and just poking around, seeing some a little wave breaking over here and some reef pass. Go check it out. Come back in the channel. Keep going. I mean, how long? How long are these downwind runs that you put your guests on? Like half an hour, hour, a couple hours? Like what's that like? That's as long as you want it to be. I mean, uh, you don't yeah. have to. You don't even have to go downwind. You can go downwind, come back up again. You know, yeah. like I said, I mean, there's it's it's a small area and there's there's so many places to explore. And, you know, before we do these downwinders, we have aerial photographs in, and uh, all and uh, charts. So we can sort of point things out to people and tell them, you know, you know, when you go and check out this spot over here. And if you go over this spot over here, you might get a good break. But some of the places that we are, that we're, I mean, a lot of the places that we are playing in here, you know, in our playground here, sometimes it's just nice to be able to kite in just crystal clear water and just be looking mm. at the coral under the water. I mean, you don't have to be doing backflips and uh, all fancy, you know, fancy sort of tricks and all that sort of thing. Sometimes it's just nice to go and find, you know, beautiful water and just cruise in it. And then yeah, you can cut across to another spot where there's a bit of a break and maybe use a, use a couple of breaks as kickers or, you know, oh. you can surf some spots or, you know, there's, 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 there's really, there's endless opportunities here. I mean, there's just so much you can do. But uh, as we discussed before, it helps if you're already, you know, you can already kite and you're prepared for boat yeah. launching. And, uh, you know, as well as that, you've got the stamina. I mean, most kite surfers know that they can go out for a couple of hours easy. So, you know, a downwind run can take anything from uh, half an hour to uh, half a day. 
So cool. Oh yeah. I'm just like spinning with, with ideas and thoughts of being in blue crystal clear blue water and, and kiting and, and seeing all the beautiful stuff where I am here in California and Santa Cruz, Northern California, the water's kind of greenish gray, cold, kelpie, you know? So I always just kind of dream about the waters where you guys are. And it sounds just, and I'm looking at pictures on Instagram of you guys and your guests it just looks perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We always pick the spots like this. The important part to us is, uh, is, uh, the color of the water. <laughs> <laughs> that's Everything a good one. That's a good criteria. Find. Absolutely, <laughs> mate. My favorite color is blue. Yeah, oh, I dig it. I dig it. <laughs> I also see a picture of you, Steve, holding a, a big old wahoo. So part of what you guys are doing is it looks like you're fishing for your own food, but also when your guests are out there, you'll you'll do fish. You'll fish as well. I mean, what wahoo tuna, sailfish, or something? I mean, talk about that. What you guys are doing there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, now our luck has just started to change again. We've had a bit of a dry run recently, but yeah, we uh, we always fish. I mean, every time we put the sails up and get underway, the first thing to go out is the fishing lines. You know, we we can actually sort of incorporate that as a, you know as a part of the activities. If you know if people are had tired of sitting in one place or they want to get in a bit of sailing, we can also do uh, sort of game fishing as well. But yeah, we try to catch as much fresh fish as we can. I mean, when people are on a boat, that's what they want to eat is seafood. That's cool. And so, so then Monica, are you the one who prepares the fish, the chef? Yes, I'm the lucky one in the galley. (laughs) I do the barbecues though. Yeah, but we have a barbecue, outside (laughs) barbecue. So uh, yeah, I can use his Aussie skills for the barbecue. Yeah, but mainly it's uh, the inside. We have a big galley, big for the boat, because, but yep. not nothing to compare with a normal kitchen. Uh, but we are pretty well prepared for the cooking I have to do. So fresh fish is always in the menu. Oh, uh, yeah. What's your favorite, like, fish to cook or your guys' your, your hallmark recipe that you like the best? Yeah, I've, our favorite is dolphin fish, which is Dorado. Or mahi-mahi. Uh, mahi-mahi, whatever you call it. There's three names for it. Uh, but then the tuna is also awesome. If you get a good uh, yellow fin, it's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, for sashimi, sashimi or? Yeah, or ceviche. ceviche this kind of food. Oh. This is always popular with the guests. Everyone loves it. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's that's perfect. And so um, what's the biggest, what's the best fish you guys have got? What's like your most memorable? There we we can definitely know. We both look at each other and know exactly which one it is. We had that. We have a guest that's been sailing with us since we first started doing this in Greece many years ago. Probably what ten years ago. Almost yeah. Almost ten years ago, and now he's big into fishing. And uh, the last time he was out here, he caught a a nice big sailfish. So that was the pick of him. But the bad the bad side bad thing about that was that we was out in our first day. So the you know the freezer was full. So oh no! <laughs> no, yeah, that's right. But uh, we took it to one of the islands here in uh, Salt Whistle Bay, and we got the locals there to, uh, you know, chop it up and make a meal for us. And then they managed to. We got enough that we could squeeze into the freezer. But uh, they put a barbecue on the beach for us as well, and we just gave them the rest of the fish. But that was nice. fantastic. That was beautiful fish. Yeah, fish oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that's cool. I so I, I think I, there's a picture on Instagram, I believe. There's at least a, one of your guests holding a big old sailfish or one's hanging up next to him. So I'm guessing that's it. Yeah, that's Monica and the guy with the big beard. That's Marty. He yes. sails with us, you know, sometimes twice a year. He's oh, a real wow, legend. Cool. He even brought his own fishing rod to the boat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? 
Yeah, most of our that's fishing cool. gear comes from him. <laughs> oh, oh man, that's awesome. So how many like repeat guests do you guys, would you say you have? I mean, each year do you get people from you know, previous years showing back up? Uh, I mean, not every year. I mean, quite, quite often people do come back, but maybe not every year. But, you know, when we were in Greece, we used to get people coming back every year. And, you know, I was there for quite a long time. Monica and I worked together there for quite a long time. But since we've moved to the Caribbean, it's a little bit more difficult for Europeans to get out here. So, you know, we still do have some coming back, but we have some people from Canada that come back. And, yeah, we, we do get a lot of people that, that are repeat. It's kind of the the holidays here. It's a long haul destination for most of the people. So it's not so easy to come back every year like it was in Europe when we were in Europe. Right, right. So you guys started your operation in Greece and the Greek Isles, is that right? And then made the move out to the Caribbean. I mean, so talk about like first, like what made you decide to come out to the Caribbean from from the Greek area? You know, the, the I mean, we're in Greece for a long time. I love Greece. I absolutely love it. We both do. We both do. But uh, you know, the seat the problem in Greece is that the season is really short. You know, it's only like uh, four, maybe we can push it out to five months. And uh, there was one year that uh, we had a friend of a friend who was uh, needed some crew out here for uh, kite surfing trips. So we came out here to help this guy out. And one thing led to another. We ended up buying this boat and coming out here ourselves. Yeah. But you spent how many years in Greece? Uh, my, I was there for almost, uh, almost 20 years, 17 years, actually. And Monica and I, I think, were together yeah. how long? I spent like 12 years. So I would be like around 10 years in Greece. So, and you guys met then in Greece. So how, how, what was the story there of how you guys met? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was actually, I was living on the island of uh, Koz, which is uh, very, very close to Turkey. I mean, you can see Turkey from there. And uh, it's a great kite surfing spot. So there's quite a lot of kite surfing schools there. And the guys there are all my mates. And uh, one day I was down the beach with my mates doing a bit of kiting, having a beer. And I saw this chicky babe walk past with a board under her arm in a bikini. And I thought, hmm, hmm. <laughs> so I went down to check it out. And, and he day... was lucky that there was no wind. Yes. <laughs> and I couldn't run away from him. I couldn't go back. Well, she needed help. <laughs> I had to go and rescue her. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's cool. So Monica, so then for you, you were already kiting. I mean, is that why you were in that spot too? Because it was just a great kite surfing location. Yes, yes. I I was kiting already, and uh, but I didn't know anything about sailing at that at that time. I was kiting, and uh, it wasn't also holidays for me. I was working on the coast island. I was working in tourism at the time already. That's cool. And so, uh, were you a better kite surfer than Steve at that time? I am sure. <laughs> of course, I'm she still is, am. mate. I still am. Yeah. Nothing has changed there. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm even better sailor by now. <laughs> oh yeah, I bet. So you meet on the beach, and fast forward at some point, you're like, hey. Let's get this catamaran. Let's start a business taking people out to do these expeditions, these adventures. So how did that all come to be? Well, in actual fact, I already had a catamaran. I was, uh, I had a business in Greece, and uh, that was another good thing about meeting Monica on the beach was that uh, she was working in tourism, so I could try and get her clients onto my boat. But it was also a good way to pick up chicks is having the boat. Hey, do you want to come down and check out my boat, baby? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. 
That what? would be a good pitch if I would understand what you are saying, but his Australian accent was completely... I didn't understand what this guy is talking to me. What is it? Is it Chinese? <laughs> I had to learn to speak slowly and clearly so that I could be understood. And no Aussie slang. <laughs> but yeah, I was... Uh, I already... I had a boat that I bought specifically for kite surfing trips. And it was at the time when I bought it, it was, uh, you know, it wasn't a typical charter boat it was something a little bit what i thought at the time was going to be uh, suitable for kite surfing trips because you know at the time there was nobody doing it you know there was nobody to sort of no other business models to copy from there was you know i i mean i had to sort of figure it out as i went so i bought this boat it was a little performance oriented um katana was a little 38 footer Mm -hmm. which um you know, which is a great boat for sailing in windy conditions and all that sort of thing, which is what I thought we needed at the time. But since then, we've uh, we've realized that we don't really need such a fast little boat with no room in it. So now we, Monica and I got together and we bought this one, which is, you know, a little bit bigger, a little bit less performance oriented, but much more comfortable and so forth. I mean, it's a good, um, what's the word? Compromise. There's a good compromise between performance safety and uh and comfort this boat it looks awesome it's like my dream catamaran boat i mean it's a 42 footer it's called groovy what's the what's the make the maker of it it's uh it's built by robinson and kane in uh south africa it's a leopard 40 well they call it a leopard 44 but it's actually just over 42 feet it's gorgeous man so how long have you guys had that boat three years now yeah three years we bought her in greece then there was a trip across the uh, Mediterranean, Atlantic, and here it's uh, our third season here. Stay with us during the short break, and we'll come back to hear about Steve and Monica's transatlantic crossing and lives growing up. Once we get back to normal life after the COVID-19 pandemic, and you're itching for an adventure on the water, check out what Steve and Monica are up to at sailingwildside.com. Top-notch comfort, amazing setting, and great host. You won't go wrong. And since we're all despising plastic pollution these days, check out Parlay, whose mission it is to find ways to synchronize the economic system of humankind with the ecosystem of nature. As a celebration of artists, musicians, actors, filmmakers, fashion designers, and more, Parlay is focused on reshaping the consumer mindset of us all to spend money on products and companies that contribute to protection of the ocean rather than its destruction. Check them out at Parlay, P-A-R-E-L-Y dot TV and see how you can get involved. Now let's get back to Steve and Monica. So talk about that trip across the Atlantic because every now and then you get into, and I, again, I'm like a super newbie sailor guy. I don't know much. I know people who are really accomplished, but I'm not. But you hear people say that, you know, catamarans, unless they're made for open water cruising, aren't good for open water, like crossing an, an ocean, you know, but you guys pulled it off on this boat. So how was it? I mean, your, your thoughts on crossing an ocean and a catamaran? You don't want to get me started talking about boats and comparing modern hulls to catamarans, I'll tell you. <laughs> but uh, if I mean, if you if anybody really does their research on, uh, you know, we've done a lot of research on boats, and I spent a lot of years on catamarans. I mean, I was just like every other sailor. I thought, you know, a monohull is a, is a real boat, and a catamaran isn't really a sailing boat. But you know something? That's a load of rubbish. And uh, you just got to take a look at the Pacific Islanders to see that, and uh, do some study on the Pacific Islanders. 
And also, if we did a, we did, I mean, Monica and I, we, we look at um, other people's stories, you know, that, uh, you know, some, some tragic events that people have survived in some really nasty weathers like uh, pressure systems or hurricanes or cyclones, whatever you want to call them. And it uh, always comes out that uh, the boats that come out of it are catamarans. So, so I mean, this boat, this huh. particular boat we built, uh, bought, and the same with the boat that we had before, the Katana, they are actually designed as and classified as a blue water sailing boat, unlike a lot of catamarans. I mean, this is probably one of few um, production-built blue water sailing boats. So, you know, it's actually made for crossing oceans. And uh, the boat did it absolutely br- I mean, it was really easy. I mean, the boat mm-hmm. did it absolutely brilliantly. Yeah, we didn't have any problems with the boat when crossing, actually. We didn't have any breakages. We had uh, no breakdowns. Everything was just went perfect. And we had a good sleep. Comparing to the people on monohulls, when they are arriving here, quite a lot of them are complaining that it was tough life yeah. for them, lack of sleep you know not really comfortable when our life on board was just the normal same life. as usual yeah. i mean this is where we live so we picked up a crew to sail across with us and uh we had our card nights and we have our barbecue you know not our barbecue we had pizza nights and uh we had movie nights you know everybody was doing their watches there was always somebody on 24 you know somebody was on watch 24 hours but, uh, you know, it was really, really easy and it was really comfortable. And for, for us, it was life as usual, except we're underway. You know, with different, I mean, the, the Atlantic Ocean sounds like, uh, you know, you're just seeing this big blue ocean. But, uh, you know, there, it, it is, there is actually a lot to do. And believe it or not, there is actually a lot to see. So, you know, with fishing and the whales we saw and even coming across other boats, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was fantastic. It was really, really nice trip. And we wouldn't even, I mean, I was surprised when we got across here, even in the middle of the Atlantic when, you know, Monica never really did any sailing before we met. And uh, she loved it. I mean, it was fantastic. So for me, you know, this is it's really difficult to find, uh, you know, a partner that wants to spend as much time on the boat as I do. So, you know, that I think it goes to show how, how, how nice it was, yeah. how nice the trip was. That's awesome. How long did it take you guys to, to make the crossing? <laughs> We've beat the world We're record. <laughs> slowest slowest uh, boat, the slowest crossing ever. It took us 20, 27 days. days. There was oh. no wind. Uh, that was, yeah, that was really, really slow. There are people rowing across in 29 days, so it is a little bit humiliating. However, <laughs> yeah, but you guys were having barbecues and pizzas and drinks. There, Those guys are rowing, so you still, you had, you That's had right. fun. That's <laughs> right. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is so cool. So then, Land of the Caribbean, you've been, you just, you said you finished your first season. So what's the plans to stay there and hunker down for a bit and stay out there? I think we just finished out well. We almost finished our third season. We just mm. uh, obviously from this uh, this crisis, this uh, Corona thing, uh, we've had a lot of uh, we've had cancellations and uh, a few yeah. postponements. So you know we should be on charter now. We should still be working, but obviously we can't. So right. yeah, I mean our plan for the moment is, uh, I mean this is this is what we do, and this is our business, and we have a business plan, and we have you know money to pay off the boat and we have to maintain the boat and insurance and all this sort of thing. So, you know, it's, it, as far as our business plan is concerned, we're going to be 
continuing next year. I mean, we're still doing our promotional work at the moment while we have time off. We do maintenance and uh, we do a lot of preventive maintenance so that uh, when we have guests on board, we don't have breakdowns. And uh, if anything does go wrong, I make sure that we have the spare parts and we get it changed out before they even know anything's wrong. Yep. And uh, now is the time that we can do all that sort of thing. But yeah, we'll kick off again and we'll do another season next year. Awesome. Very awesome. Yeah, hopefully this COVID thing gets over quick and then you guys get back up and running and our guests, uh, you know, come back as fast as they can. So then kind of shifting gears a little bit, I'm curious again, as we mentioned, starting out, like how you guys got to where you are, right? So we mentioned you, we started the story, meeting in Greece and everything, but Steve being from Australia, Monica from Poland, um, kind of talk about your path I and mean, how you got to Greece. I mean, Steve, you had you know, looking at your bio, you know, some information about you. You're in the Royal Australian Naval Reserve Cadets, which sounds pretty <laughs> badass, man. So just what was it like? I mean, it's like you're an ocean guy growing up and uh, never strayed too far from it. Yeah, I mean, my dad was a sailor. I mean, he was uh, he's an electrical engineer, actually, in the marine industry. But uh, he sails competitively, so he was always racing. So I always grew up around, you know, the yacht club and the, and the sailing clubs and and then yeah, one year I said we saw an ad in the paper for um, this uh, Navy cadets. And I thought, yeah, that's me. I'm going to have a crack at that. That sounds awesome. So, yeah, I rocked up down there and I did that for a few years. They let me use their boats. They taught me seamanship. I got to go to sea on the naval ships now and then. Every year we had to go to um, Sydney to do um, like STCW type courses, which is uh, – Safety. Which is, yeah, which is safety and seamanship courses, which we, you know, still have to, you know, maintain. We still yeah. have uh, have these sort of certificates that we have to do every year, these, um, what do you call it, certificates. Yep. Yeah, we still have these things that we have to do every year, but I did that when I was a kid. But uh, the, the, the reason, the thing I liked most about it was uh, they let me use their boats. They even, um, the our cadet unit, actually bought a boat that we could use you know which was uh, set up for a little bit more for uh, racing so we used the boats and me and a couple of mates used their boats to compete in local sailing races and all that sort of thing that yeah, was great fun but nice. uh, i didn't really like the didn't like the saluting and the standing and attention <laughs> and all that sort of stuff no, that's not this kind of thing uh, I was always, uh, discipline was where i was in trouble that was my uh weak point that was my weak point it is. <laughs> uh, it's all right nobody's perfect <laughs> <laughs> i think that is perfect <laughs> so steve so were you did you grow up on the gold coast then yeah, I mean, I, yes, I did. I grew up on the Gold Coast. I was actually born in South Australia, hmm. in the same neck of the woods as Aaron from Rim Generation. Yep. But cool. uh, my family moved up to the Gold Coast in the mid-70s. So, yeah, I grew up on the Gold Coast. I grew up on a farm, actually, but it was about uh, 20 minutes into town to go to the beach. So, yeah, I had the best of both worlds. Yeah, very cool. So then how did you end up – out in Greece, you mentioned that island off of uh, Turkey there. So how'd you get out to that area? Uh, the short version of a long story. <laughs> I just had, I mean, I always wanted to go to Greece. I mean, uh, I saw those posters, you know, the blue and white buildings and the Mediterranean Sea and all that sort of thing that you see in the tourist offices. And uh, I always wanted to go there. But uh, one year, I just chance led me in the right direction. I ended up working for a company that did um, bungee. 
you know, bungee jumping and all this sort of thing. They, uh, I was fortunate enough to find out that I could have British citizenship. So with my passport, I was able to travel easier. So this company sent me to Cyprus and I did a couple of years there for this company. And then I went with somebody else and we did uh, set up a bungee jumping business in, in Greece. I don't know why we lost enough money on that. They opened a new <laughs> marina for me. I slotted straight in there, back on the boats where I should have been in the first place. Nice. And so you found your spot out there. And then and then one day on the beach, you see Monica. So then Monica grew up in Poland, um, which is all not a warm, watery, tropical Very spot. Right. <laughs> not. And it's one good reason to leave the, that country. <laughs> yeah, I definitely like warm climate. So Poland couldn't keep me longer. Yeah. Um, but I didn't grow up. Uh, I grew up inland. So far away from the sea, I think I was six or seven when I first uh, saw the sea, our Baltic Sea, which is really cold even in summer. It's like 17, 18 degrees. We have beautiful sandy beaches, but the temperature is not encouraging. My uh, career was in tourism, so that made me travel a lot. And I used to spend summer season in one country and then winter season in another country working for Polish tour operators. And it happened one year, it happened that I landed for the winter to Capo Verde. Capo Verde is the island of, on the Atlantic. They are kind of in the mid, little bit on the middle of nowhere off African coast. And they have yeah. great kite surfing. And so is that where you learned to kite surf? Yeah, that, that was the place, that was the place because there was not much to do. Those are very small island. The island I was living on was 16 kilometers long and I think like five kilometers large. There was oh, wow. one long beach, with, I think eight kilometers of sandy beach and plenty of kite surfers. There was uh, a very, very popular spot, very popular spot for the big waves, not much. Do nothing else. <laughs> the, Except the, the rest of the of the island was kind of like a desert. So you can imagine that in half a year you would try that sport. That you have to get those people coming from right. all over the world. <laughs> you, you can, you know, you will, you will be driven to the point that you're gonna try it. Although I was never, I did never consider myself a water person. Of I, at the at the time, I almost couldn't swim. Till now, I'm really weak swimmer. I'm not a good swimmer. That's not true. She um, she was a bad swimmer. Now she's improved a hell of a lot. I improved a lot, but it's not still not perfect. <laughs> but I, luckily, I float quite well, so that it's got it's kind of safe. Um, yeah, but I tried it there, and since then, since I kind of started, I did quite well. I think I did quite well. I was on the board in between maybe. It took me four or five hours to stand up on the board for the first time. It was so I was very well motivated because I was learning in the Shark Bay, so the name <laughs> motivated me very well. Then I could, you know, then there was the they are asking you the company is asking you where would you like to go for the summer season. So I was I choose uh, Rhodes Island, which is uh, Rhodos Rhodos. Well, maybe you call it. I don't know how you call it in English. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Rhodes. Rhodes. In Greece. In Greece, um, which is great kite surfing destination. So that after work, I could go and kite surf. There were some Polish people running some kite surfing schools there. So there was a you know, good ambience, good advice for that. 
and at the end of the next summer season i bought my own kitesurfing gear i was able to go by myself and off i go next nice. kitesurfing destination for me and then the next one and then the next one and then i'm landing in Kos. So Monica, like, were you, what did you like best? Like the downwind type stuff, just like kind of free riding or the, the waves are kind of equally both? Oh, I like both. I like waves. I like um, flat spots with just playing, just free ride. I don't do much of uh, some complicated stuff. I'm just just enjoying the ride. I, I don't think it's necessary in kiteboarding to be, you know, um, some, to do pulling, pulling those tricks, those fancy tricks, which is nice to see on the videos, but I don't yep. think it's necessary, you know, is you can enjoy the sport. Well, for us, all it's that. not. Yeah. Although I have a crack at it and hurt myself a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to. <laughs> Keeps you young when you get hurt by doing stuff that you shouldn't be doing, you know? Absolutely. The only problem is the older you get, the longer it takes to heal. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Indeed. So when we're talking about like um, being out in Greece, you know, when you guys started together with, with the boat and everything, I mean, ca compare you know, in Greece, like you said, blue water, it's beautiful, white sandy beaches, um, and very similar, you know, in, in certain, certain respects to like the Caribbean. So how would you kind of compare the Caribbean kind of area you guys are used to operating in? versus like the greek isles where you guys were previously what's the difference and what's like i don't know how they compare i mean greece has its own charm about it i mean greece is i mean it has blue water as well i mean the water there is absolutely fantastic we choose the places obviously that has this beautiful colored water but uh greece has also got not only the history but it's got the culture and you know it's, it, it's mm. in greece you can sail from it in greece you can sail to a different bay every day you can stop in you know, you can get up in the morning, you can sail to a bay somewhere and have lunch, and then you can sail to another harbor, which is, you know, a, you know, a small village with uh, tavernas. So you're doing the, you know, the Greek-style taverna in the evenings in Greece. And, you know, you get to mingle with the people there and, uh, you know, you hear the language and you have, you know, you know, typical traditional Greek food and you get the Greek music and, uh, you know, you've got the whole Greek vibes. You've got the whole ambience there. And, uh, you know, add on to all this, the history and, uh, and, and, you know, during the day, the beautiful beaches you've got and the, and the color of the water. I mean, it's, it's something completely different to here. I mean, here in the Caribbean, we have, mm. you know, your white beaches and your sandy trees, but also in, uh, in, in on what they call the mainland here in St. Vincent, you've got the rainforest. So we can go up into the rainforests and, uh, you know, go up to the waterfalls and all that sort of thing up there. And then I'm getting distracted by the radio here. <laughs> Hang on a minute. Oh, you've got the radio on in the background. Yeah, so in, uh, in, in the Caribbean here, you've got um, more of the, you know, the, your um, tropical island with the coconut trees and the white sandy beaches and the blue water. And, the, you know, you've got the reefs here with a bit more, well, quite a lot more sea life. What do you say? Sailing is different. Ah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Definitely, we prefer mm. sailing conditions in Caribbean. Then the Mediterranean is not our favorite sea for sailing. The wind yeah, is always in your nose. Yeah, Murphy's law in the Mediterranean is the wind is always in the direction you come, you know, you, that you're going to. It's oh. always on the nose. <laughs> and the Mediterranean Sea is a horrible short chop. But uh, here in the Caribbean, we have, uh, we have. Uh, pretty much beam reaching or you know yeah or even sort of a little bit close hold but 
the sailing here is much much easier as well and the fishing is better fishing yeah, nice. definitely fishing is better food is better in mediterranean though yeah the, mm -hmm. the fresh food that we get in greece the olives olive oil the tomatoes feta cheese this oh, kind of yeah. simple food um but it's really tasty and it tastes really well if you if you are there on the small island eating it in a small caverna but yep. uh when yep. you're when you're out here in the carib when you're over there in greece you miss everything that you don't get in the caribbean like uh like uh, mangoes and uh, lobster and you know all the tropical things that we have out here so it's not i mean that's i mean at the moment we want what we haven't got the grass is always greener on the other side we want to go back to greece and have uh, olives and uh, you know all that you know greek food calamari and all that sort of thing but uh, <laughs> once we're there you know we miss it miss everything here you know coconuts and mangoes and lobster yep. and fresh fish and sandy beaches and palm trees and all that good stuff yeah that's a, yeah it's all different cool no that's a great comparison because it's like they're two two both two beautiful places and for somebody who hasn't been to either i've been to caribbean but not not to down where you guys are it's just neat to hear you know um somebody describe who's been to both you know intimately sort of what they're like and everything so then you know moving forward here we are during the covid thing lockdown this passes you guys are going to get back up and running with business and everything and you know stick around the caribbean I mean, are you guys thinking about um making a move in terms of like sh shooting up more north in the in the northern caribbean islands or kind of staying where you guys are at what do you think well, at the moment, the issue that all of the cruisers and all the all the boaties that are out here have at the moment is everybody's in lockdown and we're not, you know, most of the countries are not allowed to move at all. And uh, for yeah. us uh, and for a lot of people, you know, when it comes hurricane season, we have to be below 12.7 degrees, which means we have to be in the south of Grenada. Otherwise, we don't have insurance. So we really... At the moment, we're playing uh, it by ear and waiting to see what happens. We really don't know what we're going to do. So, I mean, we have thought about, uh, you know, sailing back across the uh, across the um, across the Atlantic and heading back over to the Mediterranean for a few months and then coming back here mm. after the hurricane season. You know, we really don't know. I mean, we 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 have these options, and uh, you know, for us to sail across is not a big deal. I think, I mean, it's a little bit more difficult sailing, well, a lot more difficult sailing back across the other way. And it is coming this way, but uh, I think that we've discussed it, and I think there would be a an interesting challenge for us. <laughs> I think it would be great fun. <laughs> but yeah, well, I mean, we're sort of up in the air with uh, with this with this COVID nineteen thing. I mean, we don't know what we're going to do. We're just waiting, like everybody. Yeah, totally. I get you. I get you. Well, good guys. I'm glad you're in a safe and you're still able to get out and enjoy the water and everything. That's that's key for just healthy life <laughs> to get to get the water absolutely absolutely <laughs> yeah. i'm gonna go kiting this yeah, afternoon yeah we can keep our sanity at least yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's cool well you guys i really want to thank say thanks for for taking your time and sharing with us today and wish you the best of luck making your decision and if you stay down there if you shoot back across the atlantic whatever shakes out with all the the quarantine and everything so best of luck to you and you know thanks so much no worries man it was nice chatting thank to you, you. Thank you so much. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to another podcast episode. Can't do it without you. If you like what you heard, would really appreciate you sharing the podcast with people you know who might enjoy the stories that we hear and the guests we have on. And, of course, even better, reduce plastic, do something good for the ocean and for each other. Thanks again. We'll catch you on the next episode.